Welcome everyone to yet another episode of our podcast Public Health Uncoded with Dr. Saroj Pachauri brought to you by Center for Human Progress in partnership with the POP movement where POP stands for Protect Our Planet. I'm your host Trisha Pathak. So far we have covered issues like HIV and sexual and reproductive health and gender. Most of these public health issues are of real concern for all genders. But today's topic is focused on sexual and reproductive health and rights of women. With today's topic, we are tearing down the walls of stigma and misinformation surrounding a topic that is often whispered about or shoved under the rug, that is abortion. In fact, in the most progressive society, it is still a hush-hush subject, but Every abortion story is as unique as the person living it. As public health enthusiasts, we are on a mission to break the silence, unravel the facts and champion access to the information we all deserve. Get ready for real talk and some uncoding on public health uncoded on abortion with our today's guest, Dr. Beverly Winikoff. Dr. Beverly Winikoff is the visionary behind Gynity Health Projects, a global research NGO dedicated to advancing innovative approaches for enhancing women's reproductive health. With a rich background at the Population Council spanning over 25 years, she served as a program director for reproductive health and senior medical associate. Dr. Winikoff has been at the forefront of pivotal research. As the principal investigator for the U.S. trials of Mifepristone, she also directed studies in India, Cuba, China, and Vietnam. Her impactful career focuses on reproductive choices, contraception, abortion, and overall women's health. A magna cum laude graduate of Howard University, Dr. Winnikoff holds an MD from New York University and a Master's in Public Health from Harvard School of Public Health. Before her tenure at the Population Council, she served as the Assistant Director for Health Sciences at the Rockefeller Foundation. Welcome Dr. Beverly Vinikoff. And now I would like to hand it over to Dr. Saroj Pachauri to take on the conversation. Hello Beverly, welcome, welcome to this podcast. I feel deeply honored that you have agreed to lead this discussion, a discussion on a very important subject on safe abortion, a subject that you have been working on for many, many years. You have done considerable research in different countries, many countries around the world, to make abortion available and safe for women. And I admire the efforts that you have made and the zeal with which you had, the mission with which you have carried out this work. You are certainly, in my opinion, one of the best experts in this area, and we are indeed very fortunate that you have agreed to lead this discussion. Now, uh, we know that abortion is a subject of immense interest worldwide. It's of interest in developed and developing countries, especially for women. It's a great matter of great interest. But, but we also know that it's a highly contentious issue, a very... Con- very controversial issue. And the reason for that are many reasons, uh, some of which are, of course, health reasons, medical reasons. It has many dimensions, basically. And these these dimensions, some of them are problematic. For example, there are legal dimensions. 
there are political dimensions, there are social dimensions to this problem, and as a consequence of which it, it has become, it has always been, and it continues to be a very controversial issue. Now, many countries have tried to legalize abortion, and many have legalized abortion. I come from a country, from India, which legalized abortion many years ago. It was legalized in India in 1971. In fact, India was one of the first countries to legalize abortion in our part of the world, in the developing world. But the fact that it was legalized didn't really mean anything in the end, because 20 years later, women did not have access to safe and effective abortion. In fact, women, especially in rural areas, did not, did not even know that abortion was legal. So legalization, while important, is not a panacea by any means. So I don't know, it's a complex issue and we would like to learn more about it from you. Can you tell us, can you paint a picture of what the situation is worldwide in, ter in terms of access to safe and effective abortion, Beverly? Yeah, um, well, it's a very um, varied picture. Um, the world um, is very big and there are many different countries with different kinds of political um, uh, uh, laws and uh, customs and issues that are specific to places. And then there are other places where it's very open and very much um, accepted um, and supported by the medical system as well as the political system. But it, it it's one of those areas where it's not just issue of medicine or technology, but it also interacts with culture and um, politics and control of women. Um, and all of those things are make a very big stew um, about how about what is actually going on in any one country. Um, and because laws are um, specific to countries, there is a lot of variation throughout the world. Um, so I, I think it's very hard to generalize about these things. Um, but what the one generalization is, is that there's a very large amount of variation. So uh, can, you, can you talk about uh, who are the service providers? Who is allowed to provide abortion? Can you talk about that issue? Because that's very important. We have to provide services in order for women to use them. So who's allowed to provide abortion? Yeah. Um, so here you're touching on um, different threads. One is um, the medical system in countries and how it's uh, set up. Um, and the other is the legal part, which is may, may not be in sync with what the medical people think. Um, but may be, have political reasons where some people can get and not get abortions and some people can offer abortions and not. So it's kind of a mixture of politics and medicine in that sense. So it's you get very, very interesting kinds of mixtures of, of who can do what. There are plenty of places um, where midwives or nurses even can do um, uh, services in the realm of abortion, including giving out pills, et cetera. Um, and there are other places where only doctors can give somebody a pill, which is a little bit strange because actually the use of the pill is dependent on the person taking the pill, not the person handing it to you. So it's it's a little bit strange. But um, 
but I think we have what we always have to keep in mind is that we have, um, you know, dozens of countries. They all have legal systems. They all have uh, cultural norms, and all of these things fit fit uh, sort of paint the picture of what the abortion access is, what kinds of abortions people get, um, what the whether it's politicized or not. All of these things kind of come together and create a varied systems all over the world. So in some places you see really easy access and in other places really bad access. And some places you have um, populations where they they can easily access abortion and in the same place, other parts of the country or other types of people or other levels of economics can't get abortions very easily. So it's 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 a big confusing picture and it's very hard to make generalizations. Thank, thank you, that's very helpful. You mentioned pills. So yes, can I we did. use pills, pills to for abortion? Can a pill be used just to have an abortion without any surgical intervention, without any instrumentation? Yes, yes and um, this technology is not new. Um, it's been around since the 1980s. It's been um, in, in known. Um, I think the years since then, um, people have refined the regimens. Um, and usually it, it's a combination of two kinds of pills. One is an antiprogestin, and the other is um, a, a prostaglandin. Um, so they have different different uh, effects on the body. And together, they have a very high um, success rate in first trimester abortions and without any hospitalization and sometimes not even going to a clinic. Um, and it, since it's a pill, the women can use them by themselves. Once they get the pills, they, they, are, be, they are basically the provider of their own abortion. Um, and that's a really dramatic historical change. Um, and of course, with many dramatic historical changes, it arouses some protest or pushback from people who have different ideas. And I think we're in that stage now. There are plenty of places where it's very well accepted and other places where it's not been used very much. So, um, but it, it's made a lot of gains since, since its introduction um, um, in the US from the year 2000. Um, now, most abortions are done with pills. Well, uh, this this was a dramatic, as you said, a very dramatic uh, innovation in abortion, and uh, it would make uh, abortion very easy. I mean, when you just take a pill or two pills, and and then you don't have to have any intervention, any surgery. Sounds like an absolute uh, panacea, an answer to the problem. Uh, but what what really has been the experience of widespread use of pills, in your opinion? I think um, lots of depending on, on the country and, and the, the political regime, um, there are a lot of ways in which people can impede people from using pills. Um, and I think 
I, I think the the underlying issue is how much power we want women to have on their own. Um, when women get pills, they can they don't have to necessarily get it from a doctor if if a country allows that. If you can go to a pharmacy and buy them without a doctor pres prescription, you actually can do it without going to a clinic or seeing a medical person. Um, and many women are, as they say, voting with their feet, or in, in this case, they're typing um, and ordering pills over the internet without going to a doctor. And this has become, in the United States, so common that we really have no way of tracking the number of abortions in the United States anymore, which is strange to say, but it's probably the truth now. That's fantastic. I mean, you don't, you, you know, you can just order the pill online or you can just get it over the counter. I mean, what can well, be better than uh, you that? Can, it's not over the counter. Anything with regulation is slower, but nobody controls the internet. And so- uh, that's true. And, and so the people can actually order things. And even if, even if governments or, or municipalities or states or whatever have any kind of laws that are, um, that prevent, that are meant to prevent that, they usually can't be enforced because if you order something through the mail, I mean, people don't look at every piece of mail that goes through, and this is just pills, it's very tiny. It's like a little envelope. It's it's not like you know um, a large machine or something that is obviously you know something strange or big or whatever. It's just like look like a letter. So I think it's very hard. It would be very hard in almost every country to um, to to monitor that kind of uh, transaction. And I think more and more people are learning that. People in Europe also have learned that. Um, I don't know how frequent it happen, frequently it happens in some uh, developing countries, but um, surely it's happening. And also in, in those countries, there are marketplaces where you can find the, the, the right drugs from a vendor in, in the market who might be selling other medicines or who actually may be selling anything and has also pills and people know who to go to. That's wonderful. Uh, tell me, Beverly, what is in the pipeline? Are there any new, new, new interventions? Are there innovations that we should be looking forward to in terms of abortion? Um, I think there are other. I mean, I, I think the success of pills is saying something to us, which is here we have an almost perfect technology, right? It's very easy to carry or send. It's not hard to make or find. Um, it's very simple to use. And so we, we're at a pretty good place where we don't need a new technology. What we need is new um, streams of access for people in countries which are trying to keep women from getting pills. Um, there may be, of course, other, uh, other pharmaceuticals that could be developed, but they probably couldn't be better than a pill um, that is ha that has good stability. Um, which mifepristone, which is one of the medicines, is a very stable compound. It, it it's years before it deteriorates. 
Um, and so people um, can find it in their own countries very, you know, easily in some places, in fact. Some places it's harder. Um, it depends on the culture. It depends on who's willing to sell it. It depends on what who, what kinds of regulations there are of um, the practice of medicine. Um, some countries have laws about who can give uh, an abortion to a patient. Um, so then if you went to a midwife, you may not be able to get it from a midwife because that person is not allowed to to perform abortions, even though they could. It's just a pill. But because of prior legislation, that's not within their purview of their of, of their profession. So some things are still legally um, created bar barriers, and some places it's social. Um, there could be pharmacies that don't want to sell it because they don't believe in abortion or things like that. So there's there's a lot of a variation, and I expect that there's a lot of variation within countries also. Some parts of countries, especially large countries like yours, Saroj, uh, probably there are places where it's very hard to get the pills and some other places where it's really easy. Um, and we know that India has a lot of manufacturers of these pills, and they're um, in, in urban areas, I'm sure they're quite easily found. But in parts of the rural areas, it may be much more difficult. So, yeah, I think every every country has its own challenges. Um, so that's why we have to work with people who are well acquainted with with their own countries and can guide people to help, but not not allow people who don't know the country to decide what would be good for that country. It's, it's, it's very complicated in some places. Well, uh, this is uh, so true. And thank you so much for throwing light on this very important subject. But in your country, in the US, yeah. every day we <laughs> have headlines on abortion. Every yeah. day we see headlines. <laughs> yeah, we have a complicated situation here. We have an intersection of a law and science and politics. And then we have layers of jurisdictions, right? We have national, statewide, municipal. We have the, the uh, governance of the practice of medicine. Um, all of these things come together to make different, at least 50 different regimes in the 50 states. It's not like one country that has the same rules. Um, I think the result has been pushing the technology out of the medical field. In other words, people taking it in their own hands to find a place. And if you go on, on the website and you put in, I need abortion pills, there's a lot of links that you can click on and a lot of ways to get it. And we did, we did one study in which we ordered things from, from, um, from websites and then took them and got them chemically uh, analyzed. And we found that every single one of the one packages we had had real drugs that were good. So I don't think people are, I mean, Frankly, the, the, the cost of the drugs is very little. So nobody is actually trying to put fake drugs out because it's just as 
it's just as economical to buy the real drugs as to buy fake drugs. So there, there doesn't seem to be any substitution here. Most of those drugs are real. Um, so it's, it's extremely interesting development, but to the heartbreak of the um, population uh, profession, um, it's now very hard to, to tell in quantitative ways how many people are doing what. Um, because there's no there's no registry there's no it's not like you can say how many people had which diagnosis in a hospital there's no way to know how many people are having abortions now in the United States. Thank you, Beverly. This was a wonderful discussion, a very nuanced explanation and analysis that you made. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much, Beverly. You're most welcome, Saroj. Looks like we cannot just throw a blanket over the whole abortion subject because experiencing abortion is not just unique to every woman but also the laws vary greatly across different countries. It is this whole mix of medical and legal system that makes it a roller coaster. And like even if abortion is legalized in a country, for example, as in India, a lot depends on the culture technology, political, social and economic factors to even access abortion. Dr. Vinikov called the invention of abortion pills a game changer. But did you know when Mifpriston got the official nod? In fact, France and China were the pioneers and now 98 countries have approved the drug, more or less. But uh, there is still a long way to go. A bunch of Latin American, African and Middle Eastern countries are missing from that list. Um, and in this whole conversation, Dr. Vinikov dropped a line that hits hard. The underlying issue is how much power do we want women to have on their own? This was very thought-provoking, right? This talk between Dr. Pachori and Dr. Vinikov opened a can of worms and there is a ton more to uncover under the sexual productive health and rights umbrella. Um, so stay tuned for more episodes of Public Health Encoded and I'll catch you in the next episodes.